Happy Wednesday, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Coffee and Honeycomb podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Park, and today's guest is Alexis from The Shift Creative. The Shift Creative is an incredible art installation and product styling company based in California. You've probably seen her work all over Instagram. She's done stuff for Goop, Crate and Barrel, and tons of amazing women's conferences. Today, Alexis is shifting more than creative. She talks about how she got her business started, how she first started believing in God, and now how she balances different life responsibilities of being a business owner and a mom and a wife and with loving Jesus. Her testimony is super powerful and a reminder that God is always pursuing us. You are going to love her. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Alexis. How are you? Hi, I'm so good. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. I've had a girl crush on you forever, and I've been following all your work. I'm a huge fan of the Shift Creative, and ever every time I see you post something new, I'm like, dang, she did it again. Aw, that's so sweet. I really do appreciate that. So can you tell us how you got started, and what's the story behind the name? Yeah, so I got started five years ago, actually close to five and a half years ago, and my friend was like, you know what? You need to start a blog just start putting all your design work on a blog so people can start getting, you know, inspired and follow you. And I was a little unsure. I was like, ah, I don't know if like, what am I even going to put on this blog? Like, what am I even going to put on here? I was always really creative. I was always doing like friends, birthday parties and weddings and bridal showers, but I didn't have a clear direction. I was just creative. So my friend was like, you know what? Redo my room, like my guest room. And you could put that on your blog. So clearly I'm not an interior designer. Like now, like that's not the direction I took my company, but it just goes to show that from the beginning stages, I did have an eye for design and I took that and started doing styled shoots. And so I would create engagements. I would create like, um, just like gatherings, like either even like mother's day brunches or whatever. I would collaborate with other creatives and then those would get published on bigger blog platforms. And that's how I started kind of building my following and like gain traction on social media. That's cool. And now I feel like the shift creative has like a very clear role. How did you evolve it from being super broad to being more like building installations? I think and I, I say this to a lot of people, you have to start with what you're not good at sometimes. And I think you don't know what you're, you're not good at until you just try a whole bunch of things. Uh And so it's, I started just trying out things. And then I started realizing like, actually, I don't want to be hired for events. I don't want to be hired for like weddings. I don't want to be hired for birthday parties because I just started feeling like, while I may like doing that, like for friends being hired on, that's not necessarily, that's not necessarily my gifting to have like a Mickey Mouse birthday party. That's not my thing. So (laughs) did you you do a Mickey Mouse birthday party? Yeah, I did. I did. I totally did. And I, it was still cute. It was still super cute, but I didn't want to be like an event designer or like, I guess I'm, I, I, sometimes I fall in that category still, but I didn't want to be like an event planner, event coordinator. I didn't want to do any of that. And so when I started experimenting with like backdrops and installations, I've, I quickly found out this is where I excel. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm good at. And this is what I want to be hired for. So, um, you, have to kind of go through this process of doing what you're not good at at first, and then you'll be able to find what you are good at. Where did you learn to do installations? Because those are some like big, intricate things you make. 
I, I was all self-taught. So really? Okay. Yeah. So anything that I have created, I literally like learned macrame like on the internet. And like when I was like at kids camp, when I was like a little girl. You did so, not learn macrame when you were at kids camp. Yeah. So like it was like oh a kids gosh. camp and it was like just making like the macrame necklaces and the macrame bracelets. And it was just like that. And then so when I started getting into my company, obviously, I quickly remembered, oh, that's just like the friendship bracelet. Or, oh, that's just like this thing that I made. And obviously, I refined it. I refined yeah. it and I you know, made, put my own twist on it. And I learned more knots from YouTube, basically. But that's it. Yeah, I never took like a workshop on macrame, nothing. I just That's amazing. And now I teach work- workshops. I have so taught cool. macrame workshops. So I didn't even know what macrame was until a year ago. So the fact that you were learning it when you were 11 and I know no one can see you. So I just have to say like you came on and you were like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I just came back from the gym and I'm looking at you and your hair is perfect. You have like your (laughs) full glow on. You're like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, who are you right now? (laughs) You're doing macrame at 11. I but it's it. funny because okay so even though like I always had this creative side I went to school for counseling and so I huh. went to school for behavioral science I wanted to be a counselor and I actually just shared for those of you for those people who don't follow me I just started doing um something on Instagram called Real Talk Tuesday where I just like the other day shared how I went to school for behavioral science and how whenever I say that people are always like huh but it has a correlation because psychology is so connected to art and like art is so connected to psychology that like certain colors make you feel a certain way. Oh, certain pieces of art can relate a different story to you and it can impact you on like a psychological, spiritual level and that you may not have even known just by looking through a piece at a piece or experiencing it. So it does, yeah. it does correlate, but I was going to be a marriage and family therapist. When you left college, did you, um, not when you left, when you graduated college, did you do that for a little bit or did you go straight into creative business? So I was pregnant with my daughter when I was, when I graduated. So she was, I was seven months pregnant. I graduated college. And then literally when she was two weeks old, my husband opened up like a specialty coffee shop. We did that whole thing. And then I decided I didn't want to go back for my master's. I wanted to pursue something creative. And that's when my friend was like, start a blog. You know, I had a friend who was a graphic designer. I was like, can you make me a logo? Can you like throw up a blog page for me? I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Did you have friends around you who were in the creative business or how did you know that could be your job? I didn't know it could be a job. I thought maybe, it, maybe if I made some money on it, it would be like a pro. Um, but it was more like a creative outlet. It was more like a hobby at the beginning, you know? And so that's kind of where it was. But I knew some people, but you don't, you don't get your eyes aren't really open to the people who are around you until you're, you're wanting to do something like that. Like, I don't know if I ever felt like, oh, I have a whole bunch of creative friends. But then when I wanted to pursue something creative, I was like, oh, okay. So I do know a girl who's a graphic designer who's also a photographer. Or, oh, I do know this one girl who happens to be a photographer. But it wasn't like I'm in this like thriving creative community. It's like, oh, okay. So like, hmm, I need to do a style shoot. Who could do hair? Well, I guess I do know this one girl who does hair. Let me reach out to her. That's cool. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it was yeah, like yeah. more organic. It wasn't like, I'm just like in this creative world with all these creatives. It was more like I had to think about it. And then I got, I gathered different types of people to pull off a shoot. What do you think was like the pivotal shift from it being a hobby to your business? 
I think that the more exposure I got on the styled shoots and stuff that kind of catapulted me into people hiring me. So naturally the more exposure you get, the more people are seeing your name pop up on different platforms, the more people are going to want to hire you. And that's the hope. And so, um, I think that when I started getting more and more jobs consistently, I was like, Whoa, okay. So this could be a thing. And it's, it's been consistent since, since the style shoots, I mean, like it's yeah, been. Yeah, what year was that when you started? Two thousand. So the end of two thousand thirteen, wow. I started, but then two thousand fourteen is when I launched my like whole website. So like I had started kind of like trying to do style shoots even before my website was launched, just to have some material. And then um, I launched my website June of two thousand fourteen. Cool. Yeah. Can you share a bit about the pro- your process of when you're creating a piece? Because I think all your big installation pieces, they seem to have like a story behind it. And it seems like you have a lot of like psychology behind it. Like how do you think about building one? So first, it just really depends on what the client wants. So if the client is coming to me and they're like, they're like hey, we want a installation where the attendee can write a letter to themselves or the attendee can like, let go of a fear or something, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's more something that's holding them back in their life. Um, we just want to create a space for that. Like, what are some ideas that you have? Or like, here's like the kind of the colors that we're going for. Um, and then they kind of tell me a little bit about the event itself. Then from there, I go back, I really brainstorm different things that I'm like, okay, well, hmm, if they were in a room and they were writing it, it kind of felt separate from the conference. Or maybe if they were putting something on the wall and it was like an actual expression of like, I'm letting this go. So I'm going to actually put this like post-it on the wall that says surrender. And I'm going to write down what I'm surrendering. So not only are you seeing a visual that says surrender, but then also you're writing down on a note what you are surrendering and you're putting it up on the wall and then you're leaving. You're walking away from it, which is all very psychological, but it's all a piece of art. So it's like, okay, I am actually now saying no, fear is not having a grip on me, anxiety, insecurity, whatever that mm. may be. And you're saying, okay, I'm letting that go. So I have to actually walk through that in my brain. Like how, how will that actually convey to people? Um, will that be powerful? What's the message behind it? So I start, I start from there. I start thinking like that. And then I start thinking, okay, these are the colors that they're liking, or these are the shapes or this is what like, I have to like think through like all of like, like their vision. Cause I'm actually what about even the material from like metal, wood, rope. Yeah. So with that, again, again, I have to talk to the client and see what other elements they already have. But then from there, um, if I'm creating a backdrop, that's a little bit more interactive. It's typically wood, but then if it's like a faux room, we create like, we take wood, we take, we create like panels and we create a sub floor and it's literally like you're walking into a room. And so I, then from there we paint it with whatever colors the you know event has. And um, we create shelving. We take like thinner pieces of wood and we nail gun that. Oh um, so that, they could put their cardstock or their letter or whatever the actual installation piece is, the goal of the installation is. Um, but from everything from like choosing the cardstock that they're going to write on, from the yeah. paint colors to the floors that's, that's um, maybe floralizing the installation, I am, have my hands in all the design. I'm choosing everything. I'm working with the, the florist um, and telling her the colors, telling her the vision and um, to, to make it come to life. 
Do you have like a team that helps you build an installation? So I, we built it, um, but me and I have an assistant and then I always have rounds of interns. So every six months I have a round of interns come. And so they help, they get the experience to learn how to build. They, they have the experience, um, on what it takes to run a small business. I don't think a lot of people know. They just see all the pretty pictures on Instagram and they're like, no, you're like sweating outside, sawing and sanding and you're dying. And (laughs) that's how this pretty picture came up on Instagram. You know, like it takes so much work. They don't get it. And I, I actually had a conference call the other day where I was, um, uh, pitching myself basically to this conference and she was talking to me and asking me like, Oh, like how long will you need to like build the set? And I was like, well, do you mean like day of, or do you mean like how long the whole process is? And she was just like, yeah, like, are you just like going to come with like your materials and just like set it up? And I was like, well, no, like I built everything like two months out, like, like before I have like built everything to see exactly how it's going to look. Then I take it down. Then we load it up. Then we build it at your, your, your event. Like I have to see what it looks like before I just show up at your event, you know? And so she was like, wait, so you actually like do it? I was like, what? Yeah. Like I don't outsource anything. Like I outsource like, like a floor or I outsource like signage, but like, but like I don't outsource like a builder coming to build it. Like I'm there sawing and sanding and painting and putting and anything else like where they're doing it. Yeah. That's crazy. There was one year. So I used to live in Minnesota and a group of friends and I, we planned this like really fun um, nonprofit event where we collected a bunch of like old clothes that women didn't want to wear, gently used clothes. And then we also got donations from different local boutiques. And it was just like a fun shopping event. And we even had like live music and different companies sponsor it. But one of my friends, she used to do builds for Anthro and mm-hmm. so we asked her to help create an installation. And that was like my first like glance to see what it looked like. And even just like the amount of people she needed to help build it. And then we realized the day before we needed to get a truck to like break mm-hmm. it all back down, bring it in. Cause it didn't fit in anyone's car and then yeah, reinstall yeah. it. And I was like already just exhausted. <laughs> like even thinking right? of doing all that, it's a lot. It totally is. And I, yeah, people don't, people don't see that. And, and, yeah, it it really is like a ton of work, but then it's so beautiful. Like I get so much satisfaction when I'm there and I'm set up and I, I'm really like happy with it. I'm so excited to share it with everybody like on Instagram and I'm so excited just that I was a part of that and I designed that and it's really rewarding. Yeah. And not only that, but you're like the visionary, you're doing the creative, but you're also managing a business, managing people, yeah. doing yeah. customer service. Yeah. And alpha admin stuff. So it, it is a lot of work. And so, I mean, I do have an assistant, um, but wow, it is a lot. And then my husband actually is now part of the shift creative and we are working together. So now he's like, if I need something cut, if I need something built, built or like, legs for the backdrop or whatever he will take care of the structural part so now I don't have to worry as much about it um because like I'm not like super great with like structural like is this gonna fall Meh, it's probably fine you know like <laughs> he, I'm good at like designing and, and building and making it look pretty but he's super good with like this is built no earthquake can you know tear this thing down so um it's really good that like now we've decided we're better together and we're better we're oh, gonna awesome. make a stronger team if we're doing this together and the shift creative can grow more with him uh, being a part of it. So technically we have three people on our team that are paid and then, um, six, uh, well, five to well, actually like four to five interns every six months. Yeah. What a good I'm looking to hire on one more person to do project management. And where are you based again? 
California, Southern California. Southern it's like California. Riverside. It's, I don't know, it's cl- like an hour and 10 from LA, like an hour and 10 from San Diego. We're kind of like in the middle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things I also really appreciate is that you not only share, of course, like the beautiful things you work on Instagram, but mm-hmm. also pretty honest reflections about like your life. And it seems like you want to give a pretty complete or honest picture running a business. Like it's not just yeah. a sexy thing that you see yeah. at the end. Why do yeah. you think that's important for you to share that? I think that like, and I, I don't feel like I'm unique in this. I feel like a lot of Instagrammers recently have been saying like, Hey, I want to show you like, here's me like in this photo. And then you swipe and it's like, here's me in this photo. It's like, you're ugly. Not ugly. <laughs> you're not ugly, but you know, like not as cute, you know, because it's like, you're, you know, it's like not as edited or something, you know, it's like here's the edited version. And like, I eliminated my pimple and then here's the one with like, my pimple, you know? So, but I feel like a lot of Instagrammers are doing that now. I feel like my goal, honestly, like in starting my Real Talk Tuesdays, but even in just like captions and talking about my faith and stuff, I feel like this is for me personally, I believe that people don't just buy into your business, they buy into you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's true on so many different levels if you do not have good character, but you have a lot of followers, I don't care. I don't want to work with you. You lack good character. So it's important to show all sides of things to show like, okay, this is how I responded to failure. Or this is like how I'm dealing with this. Or you know what? Like my faith is important. Like I, um, I want to show all, all sides. And also like, I don't want to paint like a false picture of who I am on Instagram. And I think I started feeling that way a little bit. Like, I'm just posting all these nice photos and then like good photos of me and my family or me and my kids or just me. But there's a lot more to it than it seems. And, um, I kind of wanted to let people in on that and not even just for them, but also for me, I feel like there's healing and just being truthful on where you're at and like let allowing the Lord to work through that in your life. And, um, knowing that like your trials can bring comfort to other people. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be open and honest and be transparent and, um, knowing that our pain isn't in vain. Mm, Yeah. I love, um, your real talk, uh, Tuesday videos. What made you start that on Instagram? Was it from this desire to share more honestly? Yeah. It's from everything I just said, it was more like, Hey, I'm seeing that. I don't know if I'm being a hundred percent real to myself and to my followers. And so I just want to share that and um, relate. And already, like, it wasn't like a super big leap for me only because I always have been like super vocal on like Instagram stories and like people already felt like they knew me, but I feel like they knew the funny side, like the funny, like I was kind of like, I would joke and like maybe be a little bit more silly on Instagram stories. Whereas like the real talk is a little bit more serious and talking about more real life issues. And so I felt like, I'm not always just funny or like silly or I'm not always, um, you know, looking great or like whatever. It's like, it's, I wanted it to be like, there's more than just that. Yeah. Like another facet of your life. Mm -hmm. I have some friends listening here who, um, either don't know God or just like curious about like different faith stories. Can you share a little bit of like how you fell in love with God or how you became a believer? Yeah, so I was not raised a Christian. I and I am still the only Christian in my family. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. And uh, I was always really curious about religions when I was growing up. Like, I was exposed to like a lot of different religions. Like Jehovah's Witness would come to my door. I would chat with them because I had no 
I didn't know like what's real, what's not. I had no idea, but I always had this unique like craving for something. And so something more, but I never knew what it was. And throughout my teenage years, I really like numbed myself with alcohol and drugs and unhealthy relationships. Mm. And it became to a point where I would wake up and I was just so, I mean, not happy, but also like almost depressed in a way where it was like, I have all these things on the outside, all these material things, um, but I'm not full. Like I'm just empty. And I started feeling really lost. And so during that time, a friend had invited me to church. And I was like kind of confused. I was like, this is weird. He was a guy though. So I was like, hey. And so <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and so I was like, all right, like I'll come. Like, I yeah, like, you're okay. pretty cute. Yeah. Like, like, what are we doing after? You know? So um, my friends always used to joke and call that flirt to convert. Right? Have you heard that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I heard that. That's good. That's a good one. So yeah, so I went to church and then I remember just like hearing the message and like, I feel like a many Americans, you know, the general gist of Christianity or like, you know, there's Jesus, like you, most people in America, I'm going to say America just because there are other like areas where they have never heard the name of Jesus. Yeah. But I would say mainly America, like you have heard about Jesus. You have heard about the cross. You're familiar with Easter. You know that he died on the cross. Like, you know these things on a logical level. But I think that when I actually went to church and I heard the gospel and I heard just the severity of, of what um, and, and, and how big of a sacrifice Jesus paid, it mm. really did struck me. And so not that I was like, I'm giving my life to God this instant. No, it was months and months and months of me swimming through it, months of me going to church, months of me trying to like figure out, like reading the Bible I'm a big skeptic as it is. Um, and so I had to really figure it out for myself. And um, I also am a firm believer that God pursues you. You just have to respond mm-hmm. to the call. And so I ended up saying like, okay, Lord, I'm not going to always have all the answers. If I had all the answers, I'd be just like you, but you are God and mm-hmm. I am not. And you have revealed yourself to me in enough of a way for me to say, you know what? I'm going to put the stake in the ground. I'm going to say that I'm going to depend on you and lean on you, even if I don't even if things aren't always clear. So I took that step, um, lost a lot of friends. My family, my oh, family wow. thought that like maybe I was on a cult. Um, but um, it's, it's only because the reason why I mentioned that is because when you are, start to live your life differently than before, um, people feel like you are looking at them and saying what, how you're living is wrong. Even if you're not saying that, if you're no longer partaking of things that you used to do, like you're no longer getting drunk or you're no longer doing drugs or you're not having sex before marriage, like whatever that is, even if you're not saying this is wrong, what you're doing, you're living in such a different way that it, it makes people feel that way. And so people stopped wanting to like hang out with me because I wasn't the fun Alexis anymore, as they would say. So um, I went to church one day and they were saying that um, there were calling people forward to get baptized and I was like absolutely not not gonna get baptized that's weird you guys are all weird and um I was like arguing with you in college at this point I was yeah mm -hmm. okay I was in college so I was like at a community college studying psychology at this point and so I was like no I don't know this is weird and then like literally like supernaturally I like got up ran down the stairs it was like weird and I was like shaking Oh. And they, I went up and they were like, do you believe that Jesus is Lord, that he died, that he rose again on the third day? 
And I said, yes. And I, they, I got baptized. And I, when I came up from the water, I was just crying like tears of joy. I was so emotional, but I was so fulfilled and so full. Mm-hmm. I had never experienced that in my whole life. And um, it was very, very powerful. And from then on, I've been trying to, you know, walk the walk, not perfectly by any means, but um, definitely just valuing God and, and what God has to say and realizing through my years of being a Christian that his way is really the best way. And if I try to take things into my own hands, I screw them up, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. What did your like look, what did your life look like then after the baptism? Cause you said it, it was, you're doing different things and your yeah. life looked different. Yeah. So I was trying to be the light in the darkness at first. I was trying to be like, I'm going to be the girl that goes to the parties, but I'm not going to drink. Or I'm going to be the girl. I'm not going to get drunk. Or, okay. Like I can like flirt with guys, but like, I'm not going to have sex with them. Or yeah. like, I'm not going to like hook up with them, you know? And so it was like stuff like that where I was like trying to do that. But then I just realized like, you know what? I need to like really focus on my relationship with God. And so I started just going to church more and being around with Christians. I had no Christian friends. Like, so oh, the guy yeah. that, the guy that took me to church, like he was, he would like come around a little bit, but then he kind of stopped going. He was kind of like on and off. So like when I really made the commitment, I had to like make new friends again. Like hmm. I had no friends, you know? So, um, I had to just get plugged into the community, start serving. And from there I started making deep friendships. Wow. And I think you shared a little bit about this on one of your Real Talk Tuesdays that after you got baptized, that you like came back to your apartment. There was like oh, a party yeah. going on. Yeah. <laughs> I totally about that? had a guy roommate and he was in the hot tub with some girls. And I, I came and I was like, I just, I was like, they're like wet from being like the jacuzzi. I'm like, I'm wet from getting baptized. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, oh, you probably think I'm so weird. And like, we're really good friends. And I was like, I just got baptized. I felt like such like a dumb What a good picture but, of like old that. Alexis. Like new Alexis. Right? It was like the Lord was like showing me like they're just all like drunk. Like, I don't know. But um, it, it was so crazy. That was, and what saddens me though is that a lot of people that I used to hang out with are still doing the same thing. Like, oh my gosh, like I'm 28. I'm going to be 29 in June Ugh, last year. Is so that my 20s? I'm very sad about it. I'm going to show you. You look good. I'm sad. But anyway. You're sad. I am. I was like, I need to go get like skincare done for my birthday. I don't know. I'm just feeling the, I'm feeling it like, oh wow, I'm getting older. But anyway, like I'm 28 and you know, I have two kids. I'm married. I have a business. Like I feel like I've lived a lot of life. Um, and some of my friends, like they're still like partying. They're still doing the same things. So I'm really grateful that like the Lord did pursue me and that I answered that call mm. and that um, I chose, I chose to do that because I don't know where, where, how I, I would have ended up. Yeah. And I know you went through like lots of different like seasons of hardship in your life from like family to losing certain people. Like, did you ever doubt that God was good or that this was a path for you? And how did you like hold on to the faith? So when I was little, I know that on my real talk, I shared a lot about like things that happened to me, but during that time, I didn't believe in God. So yeah. like, I didn't have God to, I wish I did. I wish I had God in my life. I think my life would have been really different and I would have coped a lot better with um, the trauma that I've gone through. But I think that, um, I, there was a time in my life, even though I didn't know God, I wrote in my journal, I remember clearly, God, if you are real, I'm angry at you. Wow. 
Yeah, because I was like, oh, why are all these things happening in my life? Like, mm-hmm. had a super hard childhood, verbal abuse, uh, you know, got into a very traumatic accident when I was little and um, lost my mom when I was two of breast cancer. Um, so, like, lots of things that happened in my life where I was like, I'm so young, I'm dealing with so much, and, like, why would you do this to me? Um, I think as I got older and I became a Christian, it, it just made it more clear to me, like, there's pain in this world. God didn't promise us no pain. Um, we live in a fallen world and it's just, it's the way that we choose to respond to the negative and the evil. And if we believe in God, we also have to believe that there's a devil and he is also called the God of this world. And mm-hmm. so he's going to come and he's going to try to steal and, and destroy and ruin our life really uh, if we don't take heed to, to what God has for us. And so, um, so yeah, I, I, I think it's all about perspective. It was more like, now that I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm going through hard times because just because I became a Christian doesn't mean like now everything's great. And there's yeah. butterflies around me every time and I'm just singing praises and I'm perfect. Like, absolutely not. I actually say because being a Christian is harder because you are, you are, you're trying to do the right things the best you can all, yeah. all, every single time, you know, and you're trying to live, um, godly and it is it is a tough walk sometimes and it's different than how the rest of the world is yeah it's completely contrary to the rest of the world and so i think that that's the biggest struggle but um more recently i think i was struggling with not if god was good i guess yeah i guess it would be that god is if god was good more like are you going to rip me off god if i really do it your way Mm, if i really take you at your word if I really stick it out in this situation, like, am I going to get ripped off? Which really is saying, are you a good God? Yeah. And do I believe that? So I had to, to kind of, to, I had to kind of wrestle with that. Yeah. Like, let's talk about your family a little bit. Cause you're, you said you're 28 now you have two kids. Like yeah. tell us about your husband, how old your kids are. So, um, my daughter, Sophia is going to be six in July. Mm-hmm. My son Sullivan is going to be two May 13th. And then my husband, Alan, can be. We don't, you don't know what to say. I know. I actually Did you all meet in like, college? Was this pre-being wet from baptism or post-being wet from baptism? Yeah, no. So he was a Christian. And okay. Yeah, so I met after I became a Christian. And I was in college. I was at Cal Baptist University when I met him. But not in college. We met um, at a Friendsgiving party. And then he Cute. saw me and asked my friend about me. Found me on Facebook. It was like, she's a babe. Gotta have her. I was like, hey. But no, I was like, I actually didn't know if I liked him at the beginning. And then we had to like become friends and like figure it out. And then from there, um, hung out more. And yeah, now we're married for network coming up on seven years of marriage. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Um, How do you prioritize your relationship with God now? Like with parenting, running a business? What does that practically look like to balance it all and then also spend time with God? So me and my husband would wake up every morning. We try to wake up at six, but let's be real, like snooze, 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 six thirty. And then um we read devotion. We do devotion every morning. So like what do you guys read? Um well we used to read streams in the desert. Um, but now I we kind of started feeling like, okay, we're doing this devotion, but like are we getting we're just reading one piece of scripture and then it like thumbs it up for us basically or gives us a poem or gives us something, which yeah. we really like I really like streams in the desert and I would recommend it. But I think that um, what ended up happening for us is throughout the day we weren't reading, like we weren't like sitting aside, aside a time to like actually be in the word and like think about it. So we were, I, I said like, we should just like do that in the morning because 
if hmm. we're not disciplining ourselves throughout the day or like on lunch break or at night when the kids are asleep to read, like I'm exhausted. Like I'm basically giving God my leftovers. Like I'd rather just like wake up in the morning and get in the word and let that start my day than like try to find some time for me to like read. So um, we wake up every morning and now we're just finishing up the book of James. And so we read it, we read it individually. And then I write notes uh, and then he will say like what he got from it. I'll say what I got. And then we'll do a prayer like list and then we pray. Oh my gosh. That's super cool. Yeah. So we do that. We've been doing that every morning since Wow. we just started doing that more consistently in January. But Yeah. I know you also share a little bit about how, uh, about failure and how it's no longer tied to your identity and who you are. Was there like a certain failure you had or that you remember that helped you expose that or unpack that for you? I think it's always impactful when people talk about failure because we don't hear about enough or when we hear about failure, it's kind of like wrapped in a tiny bow and like a perfect learning lesson that you heard. But it's always helpful for people to realize like we're all struggling. We all go through hard times. Yeah, I think more. I I don't know if I was getting caught up on social media or like if I post a picture that I think is super good, sometimes it doesn't perform well on Instagram. Or like if I post something that I'm like, meh, I'm not like that stoked about it. Then it like gets all these comments, all these likes, all these reposts. And so sometimes I would get like really conflicted and really hung up on even like, I know that this isn't an exact failure, but I'll I'll get to that. But like, I think I was like really like starting to attribute the value and the affirmation on Instagram to my worth. Yeah. Like, oh, this didn't get that many com- like comments. I'm like, so that must have mean that it sucked. Like, it, no, nobody liked it as much. Yeah. Like, you know, or like, or this one did really well. So like, people like this one more. Like, or people didn't comment and say this. I, and also like, I'm just words of affirmation. Yeah. Like in general, like my love language. And then on the Instagram, I don't know if you're like familiar with it or anything. Oh my gosh, yes. What are, are you? you? Okay, so, okay. I say I'm a three. Okay, I can see that. Okay. But what do you mean you say that you're a three? Okay. So I know, I know. So, okay, well, wait, because I took the test and like, I kind of like scored a lot of different things. And I felt like I didn't take the actual like Enneagram Institute one where like I paid for it. So I just, a part of me was like, "Eh, I don't know if I like rushed through this and if I did it on the right platform. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. what I ended up doing was I, um, one, my pastor actually did a whole series on the Enneagram and he actually like went through people in the Bible that like had these different personalities. That's cool. Cool. I will send you the the whole yes, like, please. Segment. Really, really good. So from that, I was able to identify what number I was. Does that make sense? Like, and you from, identify with a three? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so that ties into image. And like number three is like you're success driven and you do care what people think about you. And so yeah. like I started realizing like I'm really caring what people think about me. Does that make sense? Like yeah. I really and that's also another reason for real talk Tuesdays, what I've been doing, because I just need to like bust that all down and it helps me wait after you post it I always say the phrase vulnerability hangover do you ever get that after you post something so vulnerable about your life yeah 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 sometimes I do sometimes I get like nervous like to post it but I also like know like from the feedback I've gotten like how powerful it is so that's been really helpful you know um but the Instagram. okay so the Instagram sermons what did the test say that you were um I'm seven Okay. I'm a seven. Okay. And then, but you know what? Um, so I have heard that the test isn't great because it's based on how well you know yourself, which is always like different. And they were saying that if you took it in a church setting, most people lended to be a two helper. If you took it at work, most people tended towards your a brain. You're thinking kind of, like, 
Yeah. Or, or, or sometimes you're thinking like, how do I want to be perceived? Yeah. Does that make I sense? Def- yeah. I think I'm a seven, but I, I definitely resonate a lot with a three about like being very success driven, yeah. achievement oriented, caring a lot what people think, but something about the seven of being all about ideas, wanting to escape pain, um, being scattered with a bazillion different ideas and pursuits that you want to have. I think that, I think there's That's something for you sure me. That. That's for yeah. sure me too. But I definitely think that I've been more success driven. Mm. Like people on Instagram actually wrote me like just randomly direct message me and they'd be like, what number are you? Like, I think you're a seven before I even ever took the test. But I think again, because what I'm showing you on Instagram, like this is before real talk. This is like yeah. showing you on stories. Like I'm silly and I'm sinking in my car and I'm just life of the party. But like, am I always like that? No. So like I just... I think that that's like with the three, you're so concerned about your image and what people are thinking about you that um, you control that. You can manipulate that. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So, so with this, with this, the sermons that I listened to, I was able to more identify, like everyone's like, you're a four. Like you should, you would be a four, the individualist, which is like, you're super creative. Da, da, da. Yes, I'm sure I have that. And I think like the anagram is like this. You have a good, you have a few good numbers that you really resonate with, but it's like your coffee, right? Like my pastor's wife said this to me, your coffee and you have creamer and it's like all mixed in. It's like the mm-hmm. different numbers are mixed in. You're not just like one number, you know, yeah. like you're a lot of the numbers. And so like you're you can, speaking my language with a coffee analogy right now. Yeah. Mm, yes. Like it blends it in, you know? And so, um, but so literally like two nights ago, I took my church's anagram test. Oh, it's a little different. It just has one, they like took the same principles and they took the, a one word and you had to say like, is this you most of the time? Not, not like a lot of the time, whatever, you know, I'm talking about like, is this you? Would you resonate this? You could do what I'm saying. Like, so you can, there's like four options. Like you resonate with this the most sometimes rarely or never, you know? And then, so it would just be like one word, like strong. Interesting. You know, or like creative driven da, da, da. and then from that they actually like have somebody to look it over for you like i haven't even gotten the results back yet so oh i'm gonna ask you okay yeah i know church do you go to alexis i go to sandals church okay in riverside okay our church just did, some, just did something similar through a series called shape mm-hmm. um and they have someone look over it and i know they took it from another church's model so i want i, I don't know if it's sandals that's but. so interesting yeah mm-hmm. well sandals is like really big now so i don't oh, know maybe it is yeah um, but yeah, so anyway, that's failure. Sorry, <laughs> failure. Oh, we, yeah, we got off track. Um, failure. So with the three, you are super success driven and you, um, don't like to do things you're not good at. I don't do that. I, I can literally be at the gym and I'm like, if I know this workout, I'm not that good at, or like, I'm not super coordinated. At, I like, I won't do it. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want it to look stupid. Like it's, it's, it's like that. So with failure, um, I started feeling like I was really attributing like my Instagram to my worth and like mm. if I was successful or a failure. Um, so that, that, that's just one arena of that. And then I think, and another thing, um, failure in work would be more along the lines of like, if I went somewhere and I set it up and I didn't feel like they actually liked it or like it wasn't what they thought I would feel failure. Like, yeah. I feel like I missed the mark. They, you know, my reputation, like, what are they going to think? They're not going to refer me out. They're not going to use me again. Yeah. And I would feel failure from um, not receiving their 
affirmation. How do you stop putting your identity or worth in success or failure in Instagram then? Because it's kind of your business. Like it's hard, right? Like objectively you could look at it be like, is this doing well or is this not doing well? But when your personal yeah. life is tied into it, how do That's you like start that? That's a tough. I don't know if there's like really like a formula for that, but I think it's, I think it's more just self-evaluation. Like what, why are you doing this? What, why am I doing this? What is my goal? Yeah. If, is my goal to glorify myself or glorify God? You know, like, is my goal to make people think I'm cool or to make point to God? Is yeah. my goal to think, make everyone think that I'm so talented or is my goal to like show that like the Lord's given me talents? And mm-hmm. I think like taking it off of myself and like really thinking through like more about what God wants for me and what he wants for this platform, that's kind of more helpful than, yeah, anything else. That's cool. Wait, did you tell us like, the story behind the name Shift Creative? How did you no. name it? That's like not even a fun story. It's like, I, I wish okay, it was I don't like, want to hear that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish it was like cooler, but um, basically I was like, what's my goal? Like, what am I trying to do with my company? And so the goal was, I want to change the way people think about design and think about art. Because a lot of times when you, when you say artist, you think paint, only paint. And so I'm not a painter. I'm not good at murals. I'm not, I mean, like I have that, obviously I do stuff with paint, but like, that's not my like niche. Like I'm not like painting people like perfectly and like dogs. I don't know, random stuff. Like it's just like, I'm not an artist like that. So like my whole goal was like, I want to like create a different way um, to connect people with art that yeah. maybe they haven't necessarily seen before um, on the, and it was kind of like, it's kind of like that anthro like visual end of it, um, but in a job. So uh, like in a, your own job. So I think that from there, I was like, okay, so, hmm, okay, not, I can't say change. So what's another word for change? So then literally I did what any good business owner would do. And I looked at other words. Source.com. For sure. I was like, what are other words for change, you know, or like, so then it like came up like shift. I was like, so good shift. I want to shift people's like perspective on design and so then I was like okay what if I just called it shift Mm. so I tried but then it was like it was like a car company like shift like shifting gears (laughs) so I was like can't do that so so then I was like okay well what am I trying to do I'm trying to shift the creative process so then I was like okay shift creative oh that's cool shift creative and then I was like well should I add the because it's like sounds more professional rolls up the tongue more and so I added the like it sounded just like more like cohesive, like the yeah. shift creative. I'm with the shift creative. Or like it's the a shift solid creative. name. Yeah. Like the shift creative is here. I found, I feel like I sound more professional. And even though like it was just me, I get for like a long time, I still sound like a full brand. Like a full yeah. brand. <laughs> like it sounded cooler. Little did they know if thesaurus.com gets all the credit. There we go. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> Um, Alyssa, this was so fun. Before we wrap it up, I have some rapid fire questions to ask you. Okay. Um, they're just some things that I'm, I probably am selfishly curious about, but also I think <laughs> it'd be really fun because it feels on brand for you. Okay. They're like your favorites. Okay. Mm-hmm. First is your favorite medium to work with in terms of like art and creative. Wood. Wood. Okay. Favorite hair product. Way the oil, it's a way like O U A I from oh. Jen Atkin, but it's like a um, it's an oil that you put in your hair, and mm-hmm. she also has like a deep conditioner, it's really good. Oh, a, a deep conditioner spray, like a leave in spray. What's your favorite style trend? I think I like the linen pants, like the linen pants, the flowy pants that are so comfy, and then you just feel like, like more dressed up. 
Yeah. What are your tattoos? Oh, um, I have, well, one is on my finger for uh-huh. me and my husband. Cute. And then one's on my wrist when I was 19. <gasps> it's so dumb. But it says, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but in Italian. So oh, it's kind of cooler. A little know? bit more classier. Yeah. Um, your favorite app besides Instagram? What's my favorite app? Maybe just the podcast app because I like listening to like podcasts. What's your favorite podcast? I listen to the Sandals podcast, The Debrief, which is from my church. Oh, cool. And then I, um, the Women's Ministry also has one. But I also listen to a lot of murder podcasts. Yeah, I get so, that. Like Serial, uh, Up and Vanished, um, wrongful, Wrongfully Convicted. Yeah. And then the last question is, what is your favorite honeycomb? So a Bible verse you are loving this season. Coffee and honeycomb comes from, of course, getting coffee with girlfriends, but also when it talks about the the law of the Lord is like honeycomb, yeah. sweet and drippings like a honeycomb. I love that verse. Um, my life verse is Job 23.10, which is, for he knows the way I take when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Because mm-hmm. um, it's just really a picture of a goldsmith refining gold and um Many times when they're refining, you, it, the gold has to be underneath a tense heat and fire for all the impurities to be brought to the top. Mm-hmm. And that's just like how I like think it through about my life is that I've gone through a lot. God's the goldsmith. I'm the gold. And he's just purifying me to allow me to be in my purest and best form. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, thanks again so much for spending an hour to hang out with me. I think this was super fun. Loved hearing more about the Shift Creative and more about like your story too. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And then I, we've said the shift creative like eight times, but um, <laughs> if anyone wants to find you, where can they find you right now? You can follow me at the shift creative on Instagram. You can follow me on um, just my website, theshiftcreative.com. And also I have a homepage, the Andre Dwelling, if you're curious about any yeah. design. And all your Real Talk Tuesdays are there too. Are we allowed to say that you might might also start a podcast soon? Yeah, girl. Yeah. So I might start a podcast um, and I'm really like looking forward to that. I'm going to start a podcast. I just need to start the podcast. I mean, you should. You're you're hilarious. Like I think those would be super fun to listen to. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. We'll see.